Sidesteps the tackler into the open field. One man to beat. He could go. The 40. The 30. Extends the hands. He has Wilson. Quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the Inside Zone Podcast, episode 2 here on iTunes, episode 8 for the hardcore of you who have been listening since episode 1, which was many, many, many weeks ago and has been quite sporadic uploads, but this is episode 2, we will now be doing one every single week going out on a Tuesday. Right, before we get into topics this week, which will include uh, us having a little bit of a debate about who we think should be the all-pro quarterback, running back and head coach of the year candidate. Uh, how about we look back at last week's results? So last week, not sure if you guys can remember, we did do some lock of the weeks. Can we all remember who we said? Yeah. I remember that I was the only one who made a remotely gutsy call. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember my lock. <laughs> right, we'll leave that to the end then. Nick, your lock of the week was... The Ravens to beat the Eagles. And he got it right. The Ravens. Yeah, Ravens beat the Eagles. Hell yeah. My lock of yeah, the week. Yeah, I mean... Oh, John, you go. No, no, I was just going to show off. Okay, so that's that, that's a good start. You carry on. That's a good start, isn't it? One, one of one, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Start, yeah. yeah. My lock of the week went... Oh, here we go. It's two and two. I went <laughs> for the Packers to beat the Bears. Perfect. It's all on you. Is oh, it yeah. Be 100% no pressure. First week. Perfect lock was. Oh, it was a full house. Perfect had the Texans to beat the Jags. So that was free. My line was close. Yeah, that was a. I must admit. I've got to compliment your genius punditry that you successfully predicted the Jags to lose and the Bears to lose. Oh, <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Here. It was a bold move. It was a close game. I'm, I'm not... getting fighty. I'm getting fighty. Yeah, well, Both so... games were close, though. Yeah, save, save for the debate. Save for the debate. <laughs> Both games were close. The Texans, I mean, maybe if we say Tom Savage was quarterback, is that getting a little bit closer? I, I think so. I think Osweiler is done yeah. in Houston. Um, as a Houston fan and, and having my Facebook timeline full of Houston fans... Yeah, no one wants them anymore. How do they get the money back, though, is the, is the problem. Cause That's the, that is the, the biggest deal. He's not even – you can't trade that guy. Yeah. He's not worth anything now, so. Yeah, that's, that's going to be something I have to look forward to or have to watch that space. Right, so that's us looking back at last week. How about we talk some football now, yeah? Yep. We have got our topic. First topic this week, we're going to do a little debate on who we think should be the all-pro quarterback so that you have one spot, so each person's going to have about 90 seconds to two minutes to defend their pick, then we'll have about a minute to counter it, so perfect. I've got you as going first. Who have you got as your pick? My all-pro QB will also be the NFL MVP this season, the great, the best, Tom Brady. Um, basically reiterating a lot of what I said last week, right before that game, he'd only played eight games. Now they've played 10 with him. He's nine and one. He's averaging over 300 yards passing this season. So he's doing what people thought that he would do once he got with the team. Um, 
the only thing that a lot of people are saying negative about Tom Brady is that he plays for the best team with the best coach. But the constant in there is that he's also the reason they've always been the best. I'm really tired of people talking about that 2008 season with Matt Castle like it has any bearings on this season at all. Statistically, he's the third in the NFL in QBR this season with 80.6. He's second in the NFL in passer rating with 109.7. And he has a 66.9 completion percentage with only two picks on the season. Statistically, he is an all-pro QB. Nick, have you got anything you want to respond to that at all? Well, I, I just want to talk about Matt Castle's 2018 season. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I, it is pretty hard to argue with, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the best I can sort of do is the same argument um, I made for why he shouldn't be MVP, and it's a stronger argument for why he shouldn't be MVP than why he shouldn't be all-pro quarterback is how well they did with Garoppolo. But as far as the best quarterback, I mean... Yeah, he's, he's, um, yeah. Pretty, he's pretty close to the others, aren't he? If he's not the one. Yeah, I mean, the, the one negative I had was that um, don't want, I don't want to accuse the Patriots of being like a, a dink and dunk type offense, but a lot of the time with Brady, it tends to be the tight ends and the smaller receivers making those yards after catch. And I'm, what I'd say is that in terms of your pick, perfect, and also Nick's, which is about to come, it tends to be the team that wins the mm-hmm. games, which is more again in, like Nixon's the MVP conversation rather than the thing. But I, I but look at his numbers. Yeah, it, it's, it's three hundred pass yards a game is not a team. I mean, he has to get them the ball. It's 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 a good start. So I think that's very hard <laughs> to argue. I think I think my argument I could maybe surpass that. But we'll we'll hear Nick chime in now. Nick Nick Nick, let's hear what who you've nominated. Well, I've nominated Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr's year two and three development as a quarterback have been nothing short of remarkable. You know, there's going to be a lot to get excited about him in years to come, but there already is now. This season, we've got 25 touchdowns, six interceptions, 63.5% completion, and I'm genuinely losing count of how many fourth quarter drives he's delivered Oakland to victory on. He's blessed with good receivers, sure, but he's got a comes and goes running game that was actually weaker early in the season when he was really balling out. Um, He's probably got the most beautiful passing motion outside of Aaron Rodgers. I'm getting possibly a little too excited about that time. Um, his, key game, his key game for me, anyway, um, week eight, um, that ridiculous overtime athon against Tampa Bay where he throws for 513 yards and four touchdowns. That that game literally shook, t- grabbed Tampa Bay by the shoulders and sh- shook them so hard, saying, your defence is rubbish. It's driven <laughs> them to basically become the best defence in the league since then. I'm saying... Derek Carr is responsible for the Tampa Bay defense turning it round. He also put the four-touchdown game on Baltimore, which is maybe the best defense this year. He's been doing it against very good defenses, and he's been engineering wings, wins despite the fact he's got about three and a half fingers on one hand at the moment. Uh, perfect. Do you want to counter that at all? Well, I'm, I'm just going to go off of what your argument about him was. A lot of what you said wasn't about what he's done. It was what he's done in spite of, Amen. which... I don't really understand how that would make him all pro. I mean, that would be something that I would consider for a college award of like a Heisman, someone who can like defeat the odds. For me, an all pro is someone who I can, I know that this is what they're going to give me. I mean, you said it, Derek Carr has 25 touchdowns. He played 14 games. Brady is almost at that same number playing four or less games. He's really good, but he wouldn't be all. He w- I wouldn't consider him an all-pro quarterback just because he's good for his age. 
Yeah, I, th- I think like he's like I think perfect is spot on there, and I think the fact that Carr plays behind the second best offensive line in the NFL, uh, his stats are nowhere near Tom Brady or my nomination, Matt Ryan. Uh, and again with Brady, I think it's more of it's the isn't it the team that wins the game rather than him? He's not has the doesn't have his all pro attributes that he carries. The thing is, people try to put holes in Brady's. Because he's so good, they say, well, it's because of this, because of that. And for other other candidates, like we're having Derek Carr here, we're trying to say that he's good in spite of everyone else not being good. It's kind of it's a media thing that we have that we want someone to be great, but we don't want them to make everyone around them great. We don't want them to be part of something to be great and then say, oh, yeah, they're also the best. Nick, do you want to respond to any of those? Uh, I, I, I think I think. I feel a little bit misrepresented in those criticisms. Um, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's winning in spite of things. I think he's winning, and he's just plain old winning. There's no in spite, there's no because of, there's no anything. Like I said, it's it's the fact that he comes out in these fourth quarters and delivers these drives, gets people fantastic. So it's the fact that he's got huge games against, like, huge that huge game against Baltimore. I mean, if Brady want- was decent against Denver. You compare 16 points against Denver to four touchdowns against Baltimore. I mean... If you want, I think I think it's who he's done it against. Yeah, if you want fourth court, and if, if you want fourth quarter comeback wins, don't you pick Matt Stafford? Yeah. Yeah. That's if that's big. if that's the only thing you're basing it on. Yeah. Okay. Right. We'll 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 move along quickly. We'll go to my pick, which was the correct pick, and is the voice <laughs> of reason. Uh, guys, by the way, tweet at us at the Inside Zone UK. See who you guys think. We had a little poll earlier. Brady was currently in the lead. We then had Derek Carr, and my guy was last with one vote, which, yes, was me. So <laughs> let's see if I can change some mindset. Now, firstly, Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons. He didn't go to Italy or take a four-week holiday to get rested up and healthy, and he's taken 31 sacks this year, seventh most NFL, not 13 or 12 like the other two guys in this list. Matt Ryan is taking a beating, and he's standing in the pocket and delivering strikes down the field getting all of his receivers, tight ends, running backs, not just Julio Jones involved. You want to make the argument that it's just Julio Jones? Here you go. Ten players over ten receptions for the Falcons. Eight for the Patriots, ten for the Raiders. Nine players over 200 receptions, uh, over 200 yards receiving for the Falcons. Six for the Raiders, seven for the Patriots. They also have ten different receivers with multiple touchdowns. Ten receivers is a multiple touchdown. That's unheard of. The Raiders have five. Patriots have seven. And if you want to talk about stats, then let's go into them. Completion percentage, he's third in the NFL. Brady's eighth, Carr is 17th. Yards, he's second, Carr's ninth. And then talk about, oh, Brady's played less games. Okay, well, yeah, Matt Ryan is second in touchdowns, but, I mean, he played four more games than Brady. Well, that's fine, because if you look at it, touchdown per game, Carr has got 1.78, Brady 2.2, Matt Ryan 2.285. And then, I mean, just yards gained per completion, he's first. Yards per completion, first. Yards per game, third. Brady's fourth, Carr's 14th. And then his QBR, he's, if you go if you go off the NFL, not the ESPN one, I don't want to be quoting that, but the NFL QBR, he's first with Brady second. I mean, it's not the fact that he's third in completion percentage. It's the fact that when he does complete a ball, it's usually for a big game down the field. I mean, his completion percentage just shows that he's totally dialed up. In, and it's not just a little dink or dunk offense like, offense like Gronk, Bennett, Hogan, Edelman, you know. For for me, I think Matt Ryan has to be the all-pro quarterback this year just because of what he's doing with so many different receivers. He's not just relying on one guy, you know. 
oh, it's just Julio Jones. It's not. Matt Ryan is dialed in this year, and he generally is, genuinely to me, is the all-pro quarterback. Have you guys got anything you want to pick holes in there? <laughs> um, well, for, I mean, for, first thing I'd say, 31 sacks, you say. He plays behind a fantastic offensive line. How is he taking so many sacks? Is he holding on to the ball too long? No. Um, I just feel like Matt Ryan's... He, he feels a bit... This is entirely unfeel. And yeah, I, I can't back it up with stats. As you said, he basically wins wins the spreadsheet award. But um, he just feels like there's been a couple too many flaky games this year. I mean, games against San Diego, Philadelphia and Kansas City sort of stand out. Ryan wasn't at his best and the Falcons lost. I mean, I also feel like he's bailed out by the best running game of any of the top quarterbacks, um, which is pretty useful because that then clears out defenders to take care of the run. I think he's got a better... Um, I think people are a bit too down on his um, on his receiving core and his supporting cast. I mean, he's obviously got Julio Jones. Taylor Gabriel is really good. He looked like a fantastic signing at the start of the year. You've got yeah. Mohamed Sanu in there, pretty good. You've got Austin Hooper, who, if it weren't for Hunter Henry, would be a bit of a revelation as a, um, a rookie tight end. I mean, yeah, he's 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 been he's been all right. He's been good. I can I can I can I can all see right. it going he's to him, but I just. Right. Um. <laughs> It just feels yeah, a bit too just, obvious. Obvious. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have anything like really negative at all to say about Matt Ryan. Um if I was to pick someone besides Tom Brady, he Matty Ice would be my guy, actually. I think he's playing really great, but the biggest the only detraction I have against him is that he's playing for the Falcons. Oh. And you guys know how I feel about the Falcons. They're <laughs> a, they're a let you down team. God. They started off red hot as usual and they had those inconsistent games and I think Matt Ryan is a great quarterback. He might be an all-pro quarterback. But when you really need the win and you know the game is on the line, do you really want Matt Ryan as your quarterback? I don't think so. Everyone wants Matty Ice as, as the quarterback. So I, think, I don't think so. I think, yeah. I think we've all made some, <laughs> some good points there. So we'll move along to our all-pro running back. So we've again got three different guys. We're going to make the case for each of our guys here. A uh, few minutes just to defend it and counter it, and then make sure you guys tweet at us uh, to let us know who you think is your all-pro running back. So I, I went for the obvious choice here. I had Ezekiel Elliott at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I, I'm going to hit you with some stats, like I did the last one, but there's also some other things, <laughs> like if you want to go for how he feels, we can go for that as well. So, I mean, it just pops off the screen that he, he's, he's first in rush yards. I mean, he's 327 ahead of DeMarco Murray. He's second in rushing TDs, just behind LeGarrette Blunt. Fourth in yards per rush attempt, which is higher than the two others that are about to be named. First in rush yards per game. 81.6% reception rate, higher than the two others are about to be named. And non-stats, he is the focal point of the best team in the NFL. He opens up everything for Dak Prescott and forces teams to load the box. He is a big part of why the Cowboys have the best record in football. And he's just a complete back with great pass blocking and... Yes, he's got more touches than the other two. That could be a knock on him. But if you look at the snap count, he's actually got less snaps than the other two people you guys are about to name. So anyone got any criticisms you want to uh, lay on Ezekiel Elliott? I think it's almost impossible to lay any criticism on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, he's come into the league as a rookie and done everything you've asked for and more. Um, like you said, he, he's a well-rounded back. I think the only knock that I, I would have against him is the fact that even though he is the focal point of that offense, 
that offensive line does a lot for him before he ever has to do anything as a running back. So that's the only thing I could think negative about that pick. Do we have any other running backs who do good? Who <laughs> I, do I well mean, that great offensive line? I, I, I think I think he has definitely got the best um, O line, and it almost makes it a, that little bit harder to judge. I mean, you can compare it to what Darren McFadden did last year, but well done, you've learned that he's better than Darren McFadden, um, which isn't really that surprising. Um, I've got I've got my, my my number one reductive stat is you know. He's got behind. He's got the best O line in the league. Um, he's got five yards per carry. Sounds quite good, doesn't it? Um, that's the same as Jordan Howard. So, eh. And Jordan Howard's running behind Bobby Massey. Yeah. But you want to quote that <laughs> I, I, I stat? Think, he's that stat. No, no, I, he's still higher than the two that you guys are about to name. <laughs> I, it's it's it, it it is it is um the obvious choice as 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 you said and yeah, I think. <laughs> I win. What are we supposed to, what are we supposed to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. It's really hard to debate <laughs> well, the you, obvious you, choice. You picked the guy with about 8,000 more rushing yards this season than everyone else. <laughs> it was... Uh, I, it On was, the best team of the three. Yeah. <laughs> it was a difficult sale, that was. Um, right, we'll, we'll move along to Perfect. Who is your selection? My guy is Le'Veon Bell. And let me hit you with some stats as well. Le'Veon Bell is... Uh, second in rushing in the NFL this season, I think. No, he's like third, actually. Top five. But the thing about Le'Veon Bell is his rushing per his yards per game. He's played four less games than everybody because of the suspension. He's averaging 104 yards rushing, but also averaging 54 yards receiving. So in total, he's getting 160 yards from the line of scrimmage every game as a running back on a team that's ranked number five in the NFL in passing yards. So you got Ben Rosberger and Antonio Bryant doing what they do with Pittsburgh, yet Bell is still making sure that he's involved in that offense that is, in my opinion, the highest potential offense in the NFL right now, second only to maybe Atlanta Falcons when Matty Ice is playing well. But the thing about... Le'Veon Bell is he's an all-around back and he's going to give you everything that you want from a guy who only runs but he's going to line up at receiver not from running back catching routes against linebackers doing a flat or a curl or something but he's going to line up at receiver and run receiver routes for you and open up your offense that much more he is the epitome of an all-purpose back if you want an all-purpose back why don't you pick David Johnson because I wanted Le'Veon Bell. He's more exciting for me, personally. Um, Le'Veon Bell is a guy who can change the game from his position at any time. Um, Also, I think if he had played four more games, he would be the lock instead of Ezekiel Elliott. But he didn't, so I'm not going to take anything away from Ezekiel Elliott in that aspect. But if you want a guy who can, you can line up and put him at wide receiver, and he's going to run an actual route, not just run a short, quick route or something, this is the guy you want, and he can also block for you on third down if that's what you need as well, if you want to get the ball downfield to somebody like Antonio Bryant or Martavius Bryant. Antonio Brown, sorry. But that's why he's my all-purpose back, because he can do anything you need him to do. You don't have to take him off the field. Nick? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's harder every week to argue against Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I mean, it, oh, the, the only thing I, I could 
possibly come up with um, is that it would have been he would have been yeah more useful like you said if he'd done his team a favour and not got himself banned for the first few games of the season. And it was it was supposedly I mean was it missing a drug test when he was possibly given um, his Lachich and Lachong route when it um, act when he was with Legarrett Blunt a couple of years ago. I'm gonna go out on a limb and suggest he was probably smoking marijuana at the time and yeah marijuana on ballots probably shouldn't be a banned NFL substance but here we are Bloody so be professional about it and if you're going to smoke it be intelligent about it there we go that's Nick's stance on marijuana <laughs> now let's hear his stance on the all pro running back uh, yeah, I'm going for old straight on um, DeMarco Murray. <laughs> um, the, the, I, let, let me just say this first. I, I know I picked David Johnson for MVP last week, but um, I didn't really want to say exactly the same things that I said last week, this week. And I think, you know, I mean, I won't be appalled if DeMarco Murray's not named all pro, but I feel like him and Shady McCoy for that have been kind of overlooked and forgotten about this season. Murray's been absolutely vital for Tennessee as his running has opened up the passing game for Mariotta and done absolute wonders development by giving him what he didn't have last season when he was struggling as a rookie and that he's got a balanced offense that he can play. I mean, Murray's, he's not an amazing catcher, but he's caught plenty of passes. He's a fan. He can be a fantastic pass blocker. Um, and a sign of how good he's been. Well, you've seen how um, Derek Henry's done on limited snaps. Yeah. I mean, Derek Henry, he would probably get the start at maybe half the NFL teams this season. Well, Murray's just good enough to not let him get near the ball. Um, Murray's second in rushing yards. Um, obviously, um, one or two behind Ezekiel Elliott. He's got 1,224 so far. He's contributed 361 yards in the passing game, so he's averaging over 100 scrimmage yards a game. Um, um, an example of how important he's been a clutch player. I mean, this weekend, for example, he went for 89 yards. Not a huge number, but that included a 15-yard catch and run on a wheel route on fourth and five with four minutes to go and Tennessee down by seven. He doesn't make that catch, they lose, but he is clutch. He runs a route, he beats a defender, he makes a catch, he gets the first down, Tennessee come back and win. Um, and it's that sort of you know, clutch big-time play that goes undernoticed. Um, before I let you guys um, come back, I just want to say something because we've already got nine running backs with over 1,000 rushing yards this season, six more within 150. Last year, we only had seven 100-yard um, running backs all year. So it's an interesting sort of running back renaissance. It makes this an interesting question. Yeah, and isn't the person who invented that, DeMarco Murray, last year at the Cow- um two years ago at the Cowboys, when he had that big 2014 season, he was the guy who kind of made everyone start to take notice about this run-heavy thing which makes you develop quarterbacks. And my, my only knock is not really a knock. It's how I'm going to say it. Uh, the fact that you mentioned Mariota and the fact that he is a dual-threat quarterback means that defensive ends and outside linebackers playing the Titans don't crash down on the run as much as they would do against, say, Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott because they're scared of Mariota taking it off. That's my only knock. That's all I've got. That's all I've got for it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's an interesting one. I mean, I'm literally just seeing a fantastic... Yeah, I mean, because Mariota has sort of not really run for a lot in the second half of the season. I mean, he's got um, one game since week seven where he's gone over 30 yards rushing. So that that's... Yeah, that's yeah. It's not quite sort of... Um, it's not Aaron con- Rodgers it's not sort concrete, of occasional yeah. rush, but it's getting there. I mean, it's not that run-heavy, so... Perfect. Yeah, um, I think DeMarco Murray, I think I, I agree with what Nick was saying, is he kind of just an underrated back. I mean, I still wouldn't put him above any of the, the names that we're thinking about, Duke Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. 
um, Ezekiel Elliott. But the thing that he has that I guess if this is if you want to put more into just statistics is what he does for that team. For that team, he he alleviates the pressure on Mariota to play at a higher level. That help that is helping Mariota develop. So that's invaluable, really. I would I would consider him maybe the MVP of that team. He's yeah. very valuable to that team. I don't know if that necessarily makes him an all pro running back because as a running back, I'd have to look at him on his play alone. Yeah. Now you take him away from that team. And he's a second tier running back, not a top tier running back. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a few guys who we could have also maybe made the list. I mean, I know personally myself, I was a bit torn between Zeke and I also had David Johnson and LaShawn McCoy. Did you guys have anyone else you were tempted to look towards at all? I mean, I'd have, like I said, I'd have probably gone for David Johnson if I hadn't waxed lyrical about him last week, just because I didn't want to repeat myself. Yeah. And I think yeah, Sh- Shady McCoy is a pretty a pretty good shout as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I think Shady and uh, Demarco are kind of on the same level that yeah. they could be that top guy, but because of the situation they're in, it's it's a little hard to just give them that nod. Yeah, so that's been our all pro running backs. I've gone for Ezekiel Elliott, perfect went for Le'Veon Bell, and Nick went for Demarco Murray. Uh, tweet at us guys at the Inside Zone UK uh, with who you guys think, and we could maybe mention it next week on the podcast if we look back at this at all. Right. Our third topic will be head coach of the year. Yes, there's still two games to go, but and a lot could change. But this is just a, an interesting little thing where I'll give you guys 60 seconds each to make your pick and to uh, describe why you've made that pick. We might have a little little counter at all, but Nick, how about you go first? Yeah, let's start with a controversial pick because I want to go for Mike Malarkey. Oh, my God. Um, and this is sort of an apology because listeners to the pod back before we were on iTunes will have heard me putting a fork into Malarkey on a weekly basis, described as a relic, fossil with no place in the NFL. I said he was basically going to kill Marcus Mariota's development and the Titans would fail. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, built, he's built a team that's got better as this season's gone on. Sudden, I mean, he, he was much derided when he talked about exotic Smash Mouth because it's an abysmal phrase. But it, it actually has a function. It's this really big, really well-coached running game. It's got fantastic O-line that is improving. And it's Mariotta is allowed to show the range of passes that basically showcase his development. And I'm I'm amazed how much he's improving. Um, he's taken Mariotta more and more out of the running game as Mariotta's durability became a risk. Um, he's incorporated the personnel moves well. I mean, Richard Matthews has been a great pickup. Tamarca Murray has. And people like Doriel Green-Beckham haven't been missed. But most importantly, he's taken a team from 214 from the first overall pick if they hadn't have trained out of it to being the most complete team in the AFC South okay AFC South but this is a team built and coached to only improve it takes a lot of guts to pursue an unfashionable style of play but it takes a lot of skill to succeed with it okay that was that was about 90 seconds but can I you said 90 seconds originally I did but then I (laughs) cut down to 60 because I thought I don't want to go too mad about my choice but can I just can I just my criticism on that choice is yeah. they're eight and six and they play in the AFC South. And you say that it's a well built team. Mike Malarkey didn't have anything to do with that. That's just great that's just a great general manager, isn't he's it? Give him the credit. Incorporated the the, he's incorporated the pickups well gotta work with, skill that doesn't necessarily Yeah, he's gotta work with those players play. though. He almost killed him. Give <laughs> the GM the credit down in Tennessee. Throw Malarkey out of the bus. <laughs> Perfect. Do you got anything you want to respond to? I don't, 
I don't have any pick anything to say bad about Malarkey because I think he might not be the head coach of the year, but you can see that he has something going in Tennessee. He he has his guys developing through the season, and that's something positive. And for Tennessee, I'll take any positivity I can get, really. And I think he's doing a great job just kind of progressing. I think next year, if they don't get better than what they've done this season, then you have to look and be like, well, it obviously wasn't the coaching. Yeah, so I think I think that's that's a that's a maybe a bold choice, but I'd say all three of our choices are quite bold. Spoilers, guys. There's, <laughs> there's some bold choices coming up here. So uh, perfect. I'll give you sixty to ninety yeah. seconds to make it, your choice. I don't think I'll even need that long. My um, head coach of the year is Ben McAdoo from the Giants. Oh my god! Uh, just gonna a couple of things. The Giants haven't won ten games since. 2010. Now they're they're at 10 wins already this season with two games to play. The Giants haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They're one win away from clinching a playoff berth. That's a turnaround that they haven't had in a long time, and Ben McAdoo has done it. Because McAdoo is an offensive guy, people assume that he has like no bearing on the defense. Come on, people. Just because the offensive guy is the head coach doesn't mean he has nothing to do with the defense. What McAdoo did is when he got with the team, he brought in five new defensive coaches. Now, does he physically work with the defense? Maybe not. But he had the wherewithal to think of who he needed to help his defense get to where they are. The Giants' defense is getting very good right now. So if they win their division, they're the NFC East champs, and even a, a front runner for the Super Bowl this year. He's done a great job doing a good turnaround with a team that was kind of in mediocrity with only six wins last season. My criticism is exactly what you've just said. It's not Ben McAdoo who's coach of the year. It's Steve Spagnola that's coordinator of I the year. I actually had his name in there, too. I forgot. I didn't have time to say something about Spagnola. He kept Spagnola though. That's a good decision by him. He could have cleaned house, but he did it. He kept Spagnola and let him run that defense the way that he needed to and gave him the assistance that he needed. So that's what a head coach does. Head coach delegates, and that's what McAdoo is doing. He's delegating because he has a good defensive coordinator because he's picking crappy plays on offense still. But he got a good coordinator so he can have that luxury. That's so that's coaching. You've just passed the award to, to Steve Spagnola. You've just said that McAdoo's awful. No, no, because Spagnola's not the head coach. Spagnola only does the defense. A head coach does more than just offense or defense. McAdoo has to work this team together and make sure that his defensive side is doing their job. His job is to hire good coaches. That's a head coach. That's the difference between a coordinator and a head coach. Head coach is more than just coaching one thing. But he, in- he inherited Spagnola. Spagnola is the guy who shut he down. He did the not team. inherit. He actually rehired. Yeah, Everybody he's... that that he put on his staff, he interviewed and hired Spagnola. Okay. Nick, do you have anything you want to criticize about Ben McAdoo? Well, yeah, I mean, the best thing about Ben McAdoo is the fact that you can sing his surname to Agadoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ben well ben McAdoo, yeah, he's, he is single-handedly bringing the fade route back. He loves the fade route so much, he doesn't even wait until you get in the end, route, end zone to throw it. He threw one to Odell Beckham at midfield yesterday. Um, yeah, and the fade route is terrible and should be banned, and Ben McAdoo loves it. 
There we go. That's how I feel about. That's all. That's, <laughs> that's all <laughs> right. So we've Banner had. Banner Phaedru. Banner Phaedru. <laughs> so we've we've had two controversial. <laughs> we've had two controversial nominations, and I'm going to continue this theme with my third one. And no one can criticize this at all for homerism, or being a homer, <laughs> because this is just fact. This is correct. Adam Gase, Miami Dolphins. What? Right. Listen, hear me out. He's nine and five. <laughs> it's never good when you have to I'm say. I'm my headphones off. <laughs> it's never good when you go hear me out. That's that's when you know you're on tonight. <laughs> okay, he's he's nine and five after going one and three. He is making unbelievable adjustments week to week and in game. The Dolphins are the best team in the league in the second half. That's an unconfirmed stat, which I will look up afterwards. Uh, first, it was rely on a giant in the O line. Then when the O-line got banged up, it was stick of a jive, but started, you know, leaning more on his playmakers and trying to get those guys involved. Making, I mean, Kenny Still is one of the best big threats in the league this year. Uh, he's he's just excelling and has Miami in a in a playoff spot with a talent poor team. I mean, this this is probably the worst roster in the playoff spots at the minute. It's largely dysfunctional on D as it lives and dies by the D line. And I mean, he's doing this during his first season. These are not his guys. He's changed the culture down in Miami and he's got the previous regime's big free agent signings to buy into what he's preaching he's got a roster uh, I mean he's got the worst roster of any playoff team and he's get, managing to get results with them he's transformed Tannehill and, and did you see the exhibition Matt Morpa up on su- Saturday night Adam Gase I mean for the work he's Against doing with limited uh, come on it's a divisional rival uh, Adam Adam Gase for the work he's doing with limited resources and the fact that he's calling the plays on offense and transforming Ryan Tannehill and managed to make Matt Moore look Above average, he's the quarterback whisperer. He is the head coach of the year. Come at me. Oh, I want to come at you. Let me come at you. The Dolphins have not beat a good team. The only team they beat with a winning record is the Steelers. One team. You're 9-5 and and you've only beat one good team? Come on, get out of here. We should have beat the Seahawks in the first week. But Kenny still has got Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> if you could make the argument for the Giants. I mean, they're playing bloody awful opposite uh, opponents. So what we're saying is Malarkey's coach of the year. Brilliant. Nah. <laughs> By default. <laughs> uh, yes. Granted points, but he's doing well with limited resources. Isn't that coach of the year? I mean, we could all be, you know, Ben McAdoo it's, it's and spend award, God knows how much. Sure. On, we could all be Ben McAdoo and spend God knows how much of millions on our defense and leave it to... 194 million. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this is all subject to change. This could all change over the next two weeks. I mean, in the next two weeks, you could go to Jack Del Rio, say, or maybe Bill Belichick. But no one wants I to think if if the Dolphins beat the Bills and the Patriots and get into the playoffs, it gives me a, a lot more confidence in saying that this guy could be the coach of the year. There we go. Adam Gase, coach of the year, the inside zone. You heard it here first. <laughs> and last. <laughs> and last. Right. We'll move on to our final topic, which is the NFL's International Series live from Wembley Stadium and Twickenham. So Nick put up a great article out of this week uh, talking about the games, trying to be both sided to the arguments, you know, take those who are quite upset with it and those who are very excited by it. So guys, have we got any thoughts you want to share about the International Series game for next year at all? Nick, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, well, I mean, so the four games are um, Dolphins, Saints, um, Ravens, Jags, Cardinals, Rams, and Vikings, Browns. Um, and of those, Dolphins, Saints is 
leads you to agree on potentially being a really good fun game. I think with the others, you've probably got for each of them a 30-40% chance of them being good. You can make the case for all of the teams being worth watching, even the, well, even the Browns, that 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 felt weird to say. Um, I, I definitely understand the frustration, though, at the fact you've not got a bigger team here. And I'm looking at someone like the Packers, who it's been mooted year in, year out, that they're going to be coming. And they've obviously got this huge fan base. I mean, um, the UK Packers guy on Twitter is, um, well, the guys, I think, they're, they're comfortably sort of the most popular of the UK um, Twitter accounts. You see Packers jerseys everywhere. Um, what I would say as well, one defence I've heard of the games is that, oh, don't complain, you're going to be seeing some amazing Hall of Famers coming. That's basically guaranteed for um, a four-game slate. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty god-awful lineup of games to not have a probable future Hall of Famer. I mean, even the Browns have got Joe Thomas. But I do think that this is a better set of games, it looks now anyway, to say uh, what the games last year did at this time. I think last year, like Giants-Rams, the Giants looked pretty miserable this time last year, and the Rams, well, they were still coached by Jeff Fisher. Um the Jags-Colts game probably looked the pick of them, which is kind of sad. Here, I think there's, you know, you can... I feel like I can more justify go out and spending the money on a season ticket. The most interesting thing to me, though, now is that we're at four games, which is half a home season. We're now at the point where the NFL in London shouldn't really grow any more games without some kind of firm yes or no and a time scale as to whether there will be a London franchise and when. Otherwise, I just think the fans are being dicked around a bit. Um, I don't think we'll get one because... Uh, at, getting back on my um getting on speaker's corner and shouting again it's the nature of american sport to use relocation as a threat to extort money from impoverished local councils but i think it would it would be nice perfect have you got anything so, yeah. to follow up to um, <laughs> he said everything um i think i think don't they have like a contract with london for like to, through 2020 or something like that there's, with these games there's, there's actually contracts um through something ridiculous like 2027, um, the, yes. new, um, the new stadium that, um, just up the road from me in um, Tottenham that's being built is um, supposed to have games to lend, but that doesn't preclude a franchise necessarily. I don't think I don't think a franchise is something that's like really reasonable because it's so far away from the states and the travel and people relocating there. Like I think that that'd be very hard pressed to do. But I do think that they should come up with some better system than just throwing out random teams. I do feel like that you kind of get you get the butt end of the jokes. Like, why aren't the Packers, the um, Cowboys playing out there? Like, those games would be huge, but I think they would also cost those teams a little bit of revenue at home, and they're not getting the, the right split from the NFL to do it or something like that. Well, I don't know the specifics, but that, yeah. it looks like it's a money yeah. thing to me. There was a lot but I'm excited about the games. I'm hoping to actually go this year. Um, last year, I wasn't able to go because I didn't understand the whole buying the tickets for the games. And by the time I realized I wanted to get tickets, they're like 400 euros for like one ticket. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to that. But I'm, I'm hoping to go this year. I want to see the Rams probably lose to the Cardinals. But eh, yeah, I just you, like to see them play. You missed Robin Thicke right. this year, so. Oh. Oh. Don't remind me of his existence. Love that guy. Um, right? I, think, I think, like Nick said, that the games, you know, the NFL is so, you know, it changes. A lot can change very quickly. Look at the Titans from last year to this year. But for me, I mean, you look at who's been picked and then you look at the Mexico game, Patriots, Raiders, and you start to question, 
exactly where is the NFL starting to prioritize now with high quality games? What fan base is starting to get the quality? And you know, they're stuck almost like we're stuck with the 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 crappy games that no one wears. The Mexico fan base are trying to grow it there so they get the Patriots Raiders. That's that's my little bit of a bitter bitter point from a, a British standpoint. What, what are you gonna do? Move move the UK over to the, the North America? Like that's the hugest thing. Is that huge body of water in between? Yeah, the biggest makes it I everything think harder. The, the biggest thing is I'm the, cool is the being this far away from Donald Trump, if I'm honest. But <laughs> Nick is killing it with the politics today. Absolutely killing yeah. it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, I have. I'm gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be singing, standing on my chair, and singing the international alley anytime now. There we go. Uh, so That's I think. Awesome. Are we all done with the topics for this week? Are we ready to move ahead? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. For it. Let's look ahead. So after a full house last week, a lot of pressure this week, gentlemen. A lot of pressure. <laughs> Who have we got as our lock of the week? And it can't be the team facing the Browns. Uh, perfect. Kick us off. I'm going with the Patriots over the Jets. Okay. Nick? Um, and before I start, but the first thing I've written here is coward choice would be Patriots over Jets, so screw that. Come on, Sorry, man. I, I re- <laughs> the only reason the reason I chose it is because the Patriots have like owned the Jets for so long that it's it's a rivalry, but there's no real rivalry to it. That's why it's my lock, because I like that there's a similar rivalry because they're in the same division, but the Pats own the, own the rivalry, so that's a good lock game. Yeah, okay. Well, in my opinion. We'll leave, it's, we'll leave that. It's, it's a bit easy. Um, I'm going full-on homerism. I'm going to say the Saints over the Bucks. Oh, wow. He could have just cost us our full house. <laughs> that could cost us our full house. Uh, <laughs> right, mine is the Seahawks. Over Arizona. That's, that's a good pick. Is that a good pick? I mean, the Cardinals. I, I think that's got a lot of upset potential. So that's quite. A, that's a brave. I, yeah. The Cardinals it, are. It has upset potential. Time, maybe yeah. So I don't know. Well, it's the battle of the two worst offensive lines in the NFL. So it should be. And have we got? Have we finally? Those are our locks of the week. He says as he quickly loads up the sound effect. There you go, smooth. Right, have we got any games or narratives we're looking forward to in the next week, uh, in the next next games? Yeah, an- another week, another Steelers game that you can legitimately see a bench apocalypse brawl coming. Um, never quite kicked off enough against Cincy, apart from that weird thing when Cincinnati committed four penalties on successive plays on way to beating themselves. But yeah, Ravens Steelers with the AFC North and January football online. Woof. Uh, I think I'm similar vain to Nick. I think this week there's legitimately four massive games in the AFC with huge playoff implications. You've got Ravens at Steelers, Broncos at Chiefs, Dolphins at Bills and Colts at Raiders. They're four massive games with January implications. Could you ask for any more to watch football on Christmas Eve, Christmas? Perfect. I'm I'm with you guys. I'm definitely looking forward to the Steelers uh, Ravens I, I love how that division shakes out a lot of times. The usually whoever doesn't win the division gets the sixth the the sixth playoff spot and they're just as good as the fourth playoff spot team or even second or third, depending on where like it happens. It's just really exciting to watch those two teams go at it just like right before the playoffs. Yeah, so those have been our locks of the week and the games and narratives we are looking forward to. 
This has been the Inside Zone Podcast, episode two over on iTunes. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Be sure to check out the website. Check out our new articles. Uh, this is also the f- freshest podcast where we predict coaches' firings, and then when we go off air, they happen 15 minutes later. Let's not, <laughs> let's not talk Fisher. about the fact that me and Nick may not have selected Jeff Fisher to get fired, but that's okay. <laughs> Perfect had us covered. So, And also then we had Gus Bradley, who... I think Nick, who does an excellent job live tweeting on the account. What, what was your tweet last night, Nick? Um, I have absolutely no idea. I remember tweeting about Blake Bortling, but that couldn't mean anything. So well, some, someone bailed me out. Someone bailed me out. One I, day think, I think I feel. Oh, quite... I, I was. I was just saying, lol. I think that's about all you can really say. So after a marathon, what is he... after a marathon of tweeting, Nick signed off, saying in brackets, "Before I go." Uh, before I go, even lol at the Jags firing Gus Bradley. And that's a uh, we'll, we'll le- funny. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter. We've also got Facebook. Check that as well, and also check out the website. Uh, leave us your comments, and also tweet at us who you guys think should be the All Pro quarterback, running back, and head coach of the year. Uh, until next time, this has been Tom, Nick, and Perfect. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.